Welcome to the Extra here on KRDO News Radio. I am your host, Andrew Rogers. We are continuing to uh, feature the dozen of candidates running for mayor of Colorado Springs. And of course, that is not uh, really hyperbole. There are 12 candidates on the ballot coming up in April. Joining me this hour here on the Extra is Andrew Dalby, one of those candidates for mayor. Andrew, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And let's start off uh, with what could probably be either the simplest or hardest question, depending on who you ask. And tell me a little bit about who is Andrew Dalby. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm a Colorado Springs native. I think I'm the only one in the race who is. I grew up uh, what was the east part of town back then, uh, Academy and Palmer Park region. Graduated from Mitchell High School. Um, and then I graduated with a degree in biochemistry from Pacific Lutheran University, came back to Colorado Springs, uh, got my master's in computer information systems, spent uh, about two decades in information technology. The last decade, I managed a team of consultants, of systems engineers, implementing and designing systems for uh, some household names, uh, Department of Defense, New Jersey Department of Corrections, State of Wyoming. The Colorado Springs Utilities, when they implemented the uh, the system that runs the entire enterprise, that was my team that, that did that. Um, Honda, Intuit, some of our clients. So uh, that's what I did for a long time. Then uh, in 2014, my father passed away, and he had the insight to buy a few acres on a little dirt road way outside of town called Powers. And uh, so I grew up... Uh, I, I learned to drive grading powers when it was just a couple of wheel ruts in the weeds. But uh, when he passed, I took over the, the family business that I helped him start out there, which is a boat and RV storage facility. So that's kind of a uh, that's kind of my background, um, who I am. I, I'm a homeschooling father of six, and um, I love the city. Yeah, and as uh, you know, one native to another, really appreciate uh, kind of that idea to come back to Colorado Springs. And tell me a little bit about uh, that decision. Uh, a lot of people, and I know, growing up here myself, the mindset was always, you know, go go off to college and uh, really kind of put Colorado Springs in the rearview mirror, always looking for those greener pastures, whether it be Denver or somewhere else. But tell me a little bit about your decision to stay here locally. Well. Um... Colorado Springs has always been home. I mean, uh, my siblings did leave. They live in northern Colorado now. And, uh, you know, they sometimes they say, you know, Colorado Springs has some problems. And it's true. We do. We do have a few problems down here. Um, you know, like I said, I grew up uh, kind of in the southeast part of town. And I know that uh, that part of town has been neglected a little bit um, over the last few years. And, um, well, I mean, it wasn't always the... Um, you know, it, there was problems back when I was going to school there, but some of those problems have gotten significantly worse. I mean, there's a lot of vitality in the town, though. There's a lot, a lot going for our city. And so I just, uh, I just, I love it here. I love the people. I love the community. I love all the things that make Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs. So uh, even though I have spent a few years living other places, it's always been home. So I, I hope that's a good enough answer. It's just, it's, it's home. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit, you know, you mentioned that business experience and kind of uh, a really diverse range going from that 
IT sector really running uh, some systems for some pretty big name companies to now the uh, small business with the uh, RV and boat, boat storage lot over off of Powers. What are some of the things you learned kind of in that uh, kind of big IT sector that you've taken to running the small business here in the Springs? Well, you know, uh, when you're used to doing the, the larger things, obviously you're, you've got more than a 30,000-foot perspective. Um, what I tell my kids is there's nothing like being your own boss. So, um, But what that means is that uh, my employees got uh, the, uh, the day-to-day business. They, they take care of the, the management of, of things that are kind of cut and dried and, and routine. But I get to do the, the stuff that's dirty, dangerous, or uh, undefined, and uh, there's nothing like that. So being able to solve those challenges, um, that I, I brought some of that problem-solving skill set from being a scientist and an engineer into that. Um, but really, getting their hands dirty, literally, is uh, that's, that's part of the fun of being a, a small business owner. Absolutely. And when, you, you, when you're when you out and about talking to people about being a small business owner, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you hear as far as running a small business and family-ran business like yours uh, even today here in Colorado Springs? Well, you know, the thing that uh, a lot of, that I see a lot of is uh, people don't understand just how much the government is involved in um Causing problems. I mean, uh, that's that's really a lot of why I'm I'm running is um, we're overfull. Uh, I have a wait list of over 100 people, and uh, I mean that's a good problem to have. Always uh, when uh, you uh, when people are asking to to provide you or to to have your service, I always like to have that problem. But uh, I hate as a businessman being able to say or having to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't take your money. So we've tried to expand. Um, and just the arbitrary nature of land use in this city is really fairly absurd. Um, a lot of people still think that we're a conservative town and that uh, there's a bunch of um, Republicans. That means that they're low government and the, uh, low regulation, but it's not really true. If you go down to city council or county commissioner meeting, virtually the entire time is them negotiating over just things that they have no reason being involved in. You know, I, I tell people that you go down and, and you'll listen to them and they're negotiating over whether a developer should be planting elms or aspens in their, uh, in their development. And it just doesn't make any sense to have the city involved in every single little thing like that. So I did have a contract on a piece of property to expand my business uh, a couple of years ago. And um, by the time I tried to solve all the problems and then and do all the insane little regulations that they wanted me to do, there was no way for me to be poss- profitable. So I had to pull out of that. And um, that really is indicative of a lot of our problems in general. You know, our housing problem is, is caused a lot by that same sort of situation where the people on council and, and the county commissioners somehow feel like it's their job to be dictating every single little thing that on, uh, on projects where they really don't have the expertise to be making those decisions. Absolutely. Well, we have to take a short break. We're going to talk about some of those things you alluded to, uh, really focus on the decision to run for mayor as we continue here in the Extra on KRDO News Radio right after this. Welcome back to the extra here on KRDO News Radio. I am your host, Andrew Rogers. Joining me today on the KRDO 
Newsline is Andrew Dalby, one of the 12 candidates running for mayor in the upcoming April 4th election. You know, Andrew, you alluded towards it towards the end of the uh, first segment, but I guess the second big question that I've been asking all of the candidates we're speaking to here on KRDO News Radio is what really led to your decision to run for mayor? Well, like I said, um, I do own some property out at Powers in Dublin, and uh, the thing that really struck me was um, a couple of years ago, the city was widening something they should have done a long time ago, but they did finally get around to doing that. Um, <clears throat> and then since they were taking property uh, um, there, um, I was involved because obviously as, as, a, in, as a landowner there, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you're part of that. So, um, but my next door neighbor out there is a church and their driveway is about 20 feet higher than the road. And when they went to go do the, the widening of the road, they were going to take, you know, 20, 30 feet of the end of their driveway and then just dump their driveway into a 10% slope into this cross traffic, 40 miles an hour with no sidewalk or no um, shoulder, no turn lane. And so what happened is uh, that's illegal. And I told them, you know, you can't do that. It, it snows in Colorado Springs. You can't stop on a 10% slope. And uh, they said they didn't care. They were the city and they didn't have to follow the rules. So I spent, uh, <clears throat> I spent tens of thousands of dollars on engineers and attorneys to try to get them to just follow the law. And what really ended up solving the problem is I, I made a political donation which allowed me to get into uh, talk to John Southers. And once John Southers heard about the problem and realized what was going on, he solved the problem relatively quickly. But it just, it offended me. The whole process offended me. It offended me that the, that the city engineer was, uh, had regulatory capture where he was concerned more about the developers than he was about the people. It offended me that um, the money that needed to be brought in to bear uh, you know, I always say, or I, from that inc- from that incident, I say, you know, it, it's offensive that you have to have money to have a voice, and you have to give a donation in order to get justice, and that just struck me very, very wrong. And so, um, knowing that process, I realized, you know, I've got resources that not everybody does. I've got skills and experience that not everybody has. Somebody has to step up and do something, and so that's what led me to join the race. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about that experience as well. Obviously, you know, the firsthand experience you had working with city government on those issues you were describing. But uh, how do you see your uh, business background and uh, experience that resume translating towards the office of mayor? Well, yeah, like I said, so as a systems engineer, um, I'm a uh, data driven kind of a decision maker. So um, that's. That's, you know, some of the people in office who've been in office for decades, they say, oh, well, we've got, I've got uh, experience, but they don't really have experience. They just, uh, they happen to be in office when it came time to decide which contractor to go with. Um, and so they chose the, uh, the one that was going to put them on payroll. And uh, as somebody who's actually done the design and implementation of complex systems, um, that experience and that expertise really does uh, put me, um, kind of puts me aside. It, uh, it, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. I'm sorry. It, uh, I'm, I'm one of the only people who has that actual experience in doing those sorts of things. 
Absolutely. And of course, we know uh, this upcoming mayor will be the third in the strong mayor system of government, obviously started with uh, Mayor Bach. We saw the issues as far as those growing pains, kind of some contention between the mayor and council. Saw the really focus on smoothing that out uh, during the Southers administration. What would it look like uh, under a Dalby administration as far as that relationship between the mayor and uh, the members of city council as far as that symbiotic relationship? Well, Again, most of the people who are running in this race have been in office for decades, and uh, this is just a stepping stone in their career. Um, I want to run to help the city. I'm only planning on doing a single term. I don't want to get reelected. I just want to solve some problems. And so a lot of that's going to be also a lot of what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to help other people, people who have some uh, real-world expertise, you know, maybe some uh, retired uh, officers in the Air Force or, or Army, uh, some business leaders, somebody who's run a nonprofit to get involved into the, uh, into the government space and do their turn. You know, I always think that uh, we do have a, um, certainly a unique position here in Colorado Springs with the number of people that uh, we have who can fill those types of roles. So absolutely, I see the mayor um, mayor's office is a collaborative office. I want to work with the people on city council. I want to work with the community. I want to work with nonprofits um, and, and the military community as well to try to solve the problems that are facing us. And it's not a stepping stone for me. It's not a resume builder. It's, um, it's not about money or ego for me. I just want to solve the problems with, with as much collaboration as I possibly can. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that experience, have you served on any form of uh, kind of board, council, things like that, that might help bring in a little bit more of that broader experience outside of the uh, business sector? So most of my community involvement has been through my church. Um, I was on the preaching team at my previous church. I'm, uh, I, I do some other volunteer things through my church. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that kind of bothers me. In our, in our current um, environment. You know, people somehow think that it's not a real thing if it doesn't go through a, a, an organization or you have to be a professional in order to get involved. And that's one of the things that I really want to do is I want people to realize that they make a difference, that their contributions are important to our city, that, uh, you know, it's not just a matter of I pay my taxes and then the professionals are going to do things. But I'd like to see our citizenry involved in, you know, Cleaning up the the litter in the in the creek beds, I you know we've done that, um, you know, or picking up dog poop along the the trails. I know sometimes I go there, and I I try to walk our trails, and I know I see people and they complain about oh people have left dog poop on the trails, and I think well you know there's two options here, you can either live with dog poop or you can pick it up. So one of the things that I want to do is I want to encourage the citizens to actually step up and um, to do something with for the community and to realize that their contribution actually matters. Absolutely. We have to take another quick break. We'll have an update on our top local and statewide headlines as well. Andrew, uh, throughout the break, if anyone wants to get more information, learn a little bit more about you, uh, what's the best way to do so? Well, my website is Dalby, the number four mayor.com. That's D-A-L-B-Y, number four mayor.com. So they can look up there and that I've got uh, quite a few position papers up there. They can read about that read about my background in history and what I have as far as my vision for the city. Perfect. We will continue that conversation still ahead right here on KRDO News Radio. 
Welcome back to the extra here on KRDO News Radio. Andrew Rogers joined this hour by Andrew Dalby, candidate for mayor here in Colorado Springs. And Andrew, we talked a little bit about the background, the decision to run. Let's talk about the city itself and what do you see as far as the biggest issues currently facing Colorado Springs? Well, I think everybody who uh, is running recognizes that the problem, the biggest problem facing the city right now is the problem that's facing the whole state, which is we're number one in the country in terms of auto thefts, catalytic converter thefts. We're number two in terms of fentanyl deaths. Colorado Springs is recording record homicide rates. You know, the crime is out of control right now. And there are some factors that have to do with that, that have to do with, uh, you know, national uh, issues over the last couple of years. But a lot of that is, you know, political leadership right here at home. Uh, so that's where I'm going to differ from some of the other candidates. Like I said, a lot of the candidates in the race are, uh, are in office or have been in office a long time. And uh, that's part of the problem is the, is the political leadership is failing to support our public safety officers. Something that a lot of people don't realize is that back in December, there was a firefighter who was involved in an incident which resulted in a death. And while that's really tragic and unfortunate, the city has decided to throw him under the bus. And they say it's to save money. But uh, what they've decided is they've decided not to defend him. And, um, you know, that really sends a message to potential recruits. So there's plenty of people in our community who are capable of being public safety officers. They've either been trained by the military. They've gone through uh, post training, which is peace officer standardized training on their own dime. There's a lot of people who want to be police officers, but uh, they don't want to be scapegoats. They don't want to be thrown under the bus if, in case something happens that's out of their control, really. And so that short-sighted um, political calculation to try to distance themselves from any negative uh, incidents that the city council did when they decided to restrict um, that, defend, that defense, well, it has repercussions. Absolutely. Uh, we know there's a number of other issues going on. One of the big topics has been that continued growth and development. You as a small business owner, especially along that busy growing power corridor, has some firsthand experience. So what do you see as far as a way to balance the needs for growth, development, as well as a thriving business community here in Colorado Springs? Well, like I said at the, at the top of the hour here, um, the biggest problem that we have as a business community is the city council trying to get involved in every single little operational detail of the business. Um, and, you know, that really, really does add up. People don't realize, oh, well, if we add this little requirement and that little requirement and this other little requirement, well, pretty soon those, those add up into real dollars and real uh, restrictions on services that are available to the city. Like I said, I wasn't able to successfully do an expansion project because the city was putting on absurd little requirements that didn't make any sense, had no business reason for doing it. There really was no reason for them to do it, but somebody somewhere decided it was aesthetically pleasing to do something, but it was going to cost me an extra $2 million. And there was no way for me to, to make a profit when I did that. So um, when the city does things like that, it really affects the availability of housing stock um, and the ability for businesses to expand and to provide services to the community. So one of the things that I'd like to see done is I'd like to see our city de-zone. 
I'm old enough to remember when opposition to zoning was a conservative talking point. Now I think it's more uh, something that liberals talk about. But um, we can still get the protection of neighborhoods. So your neighborhood can be protected as a single-family development neighborhood without being reliant on the arbitrary capriciousness of the, uh, the city council, who may very well then just change the zoning um, based on money. You know, if, if a big developer comes in with big money, then uh, those protections that you thought you had go away. Um, when I was out doing the contract for the New Jersey Department of Corrections, I, uh, I came across a um, different way of doing that. So out there, you know, New Jersey, Princeton is where I was. It's very expensive neighborhoods, but they, uh, they have these little small farms that are hundreds of years old that have been around for a long time. They don't make economic sense in terms of the property is very valuable. It would make more money for the farmer if they would sell the property to development, but it would change the character of the area. Uh, and so what they do is they sell the, the development rights and uh, those are held in trust by, uh, by people who want to preserve the community. Um, and so, you, but then the farmer gets to have the economic value of their land. So we can make a compromise where through market forces and through laissez-faire, the, uh, the people who are concerned about development in their neighborhoods can retain the character of their neighborhood, but also keep the power themselves instead of dele delegating that to uh, city council members who might be making choices based on less information and on, uh, on donors rather than on what's best for the, that neighborhood. Now, what would you say, though, to critics who would say that we're too far past that point? Uh, there's so much zoning right now, and especially to protect those uh, neighborhood interests that this really could just open the floodgates, open you know Pandora's box, if you will, to allowing anything to go anywhere and really kind of uh, tank a lot of property values that we currently have here in Colorado Springs. So... I spent 15 years in mountain shadows, and so the Waldo Canyon fire came within a couple hundred yards of my house. I'm really sensitive to the evacuation issues that Bill Wysong and Dana Duggan are uh, really pushing through uh, or trying to advocate for. And, the, uh, and they're very opposed to the 2424 Garden of the Gods redevelopment. I actually worked at MCI when it was up there. Um, but a lot of those concerns are you know, the city council is making decisions based on developer financing rather than what's on be what's best for the interest of the community. And again, taking that, uh, that zoning decision away from the city council and putting it as a, um, as a property right that's held in trust by the community that takes the decision away from political leaders and puts it in the hands of the people who actually are affected by it. So those people can choose you know, um, the neighborhood I'm in now, the, uh, it used to be pretty, um, it, well, it was, it was, uh, it was originally kind of on the outskirts of town and, uh, there wasn't any commercial development. Um, but then a few years ago, uh, it, because of the commercial value of some of the properties, we as a community decided that we were going to change some of the covenants in our, uh, in our development and allow commercial development along one of the, uh, the major thoroughfares here. And again, that was a decision that was made in the neighborhood level, not at the city level. It was made based on, you know, the people in the neighborhood getting the economic value of that development rather than um, having developers make donations and 
having city council make those decisions based on politics and donations and their own careers, um, those decisions were made where they should be by the neighborhood. Well, we have to take one more quick break. We'll continue this conversation with Colorado Springs mayoral candidate Andrew Dalby, still ahead right here on KRDO News Radio. Welcome back to The Extra here on KRDO News Radio. Andrew Rogers along with Andrew Dalby. Continuing our conversation about his mayoral campaign for Colorado Springs. You know, Andrew, during that last segment, you were talking about some of the growth and development uh, concerns here in Colorado Springs. We also know uh, as the city grows, so does the need for law enforcement police officers as well. You had some comments about that as far as uh, ways to make sure that we are recruiting the right type of people. Obviously, the mayor would be uh, working in... uh, uh, coordination, part of the hiring process for the chief of police. What do you see as far as uh, other ways to make sure that we are recruiting, retaining the right officers who are wanting to protect uh, not only on the police side, but fire side and doing so the right way here in Colorado Springs? So um, I'm actually friends with Pete Carey, who was longtime police chief here. He's, he's a customer of mine. Um, but And so I've talked to him a little bit about that. I went through the Citizens Academy at the police department. I think that everyone should go through that. If you haven't, uh, if you're not aware of that, the police department has what they call the Citizens Academy. You can apply for it and you get to go through and see all the different uh, things that the police department does um, and and how they accomplish that. I did that uh, in 2018, but that's a, that's a really valuable experience. I think that people should do that. This, the police department and the fire department also allow ride-alongs. So I encourage people to do that as well, so they can uh, kind of get an idea of what, what the public safety officers in town do. Um, but the question, what should we be doing in terms of re- recruiting the right people? You know, I, uh, I don't know Adrian, uh, I, I don't know Adrian Vasquez, the, the, the current police chief, as well as I know Pete Carey, um, and Randy Royal, the fire chief, they're, he's a great guy. I think he's doing a lot to make sure that the fire department is well staffed, that the, that the firefighters who are on the line get the support of the department that they need. Um, so I don't know that operationally there's a huge difference that needs to be made, that the, the personnel changes or that, that there are any personnel changes that need to happen there. Again, I think what they need is they need the political support that, uh, that the officers on the line that are putting their lives um, at risk to protect us and to, and to keep us safe know that they will have their backs covered, that, they, uh, that they'll have the political cover and that the city will defend them if something happens, that they will make sure that they have got the, got the support of the political leadership in the town. And, of course, we know that job as well as uh, law enforcement, definitely much harder in the wake of uh, some of that tragic video that came out uh, last month from Memphis. Uh, Is there anything that needs to be done policy-wise as far as uh, the relationship that uh, members of the CSPD have with the community as they're responding to these situations? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, one of the bedrock foundations of our society is that there's nobody above the law, but that everybody gets due process of law and they're innocent until proven guilty. And unfortunately, the too often members of the minority community have felt that they haven't gotten those bedrock foundations secured. And I think with some legitimacy, you know, obviously Tyree Nichols shouldn't have died. That was just hideously wrong. But I don't understand the uh, the jump to prejudge the uh, the officers. 
you know, we have a judicial system in this country. Um, from the video that I've seen, it seems pretty obvious that those officers did the wrong thing and they should be held accountable. But it needs to go through the process. You know, denying people due process of law because um, you're sure that they're guilty is a lot of the problems that we've had in this country. Go through the process. The city should, uh, you know, should defend their officers, know that they have a process and the process is, um, is above board. It's fair. Uh, they have a right to, to, to defend themselves. They have a right to face their accuser. They have a right to all the evidence. And then if, which seems almost certain, then uh, they're convicted, then they should be treated as criminals, as any other criminal, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you've got a badge or you don't. If you're a criminal, if you're uh, assaulting somebody, you should go to prison. You should have those legal consequences. But prejudging one black man because a different black man was prejudged doesn't strike me as a way to, uh, to build harmony and to, to build confidence that the, that the system isn't rigged. Um, so, no, I absolutely think that we should be making uh, strides to every member of the community, to every single citizen needs to know that they are, that their fundamental due process of law is going to be upheld, no matter what they look like, what they believe, who they love, all of those things, they know that they are, um, that they're valued in this community and that they will have the exact same legal rights as anyone else. You know, Andrew, we're approaching the uh, last few minutes here on the extra. Is there any big topics that uh, you think I failed to bring up that you'd like to make sure the listeners uh, know your position on? Well, the big thing is, of course, you know, the the definition of insanity has often been said, uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results. The, the fact is that most of the candidates that are running for mayor are political retreads. They've been in office for a long time. If they were able to solve the problems, they would have. They're not in it to try to serve the city. They're in it for their political career. So, um, again, I believe I'm the candidate who has the experience, expertise, and uh, uh, education to solve the problems, and I'm not in it for the political career. So I would ask for your vote on April 4th. Well, again, to learn more, just head on over to Dolby 4 mayor the number four dot com uh, learn more about andrew his background his positions on uh, the issues facing colorado springs andrew we appreciate your time and uh joining us here on krdo news radio all right thanks so much i appreciate it thank you we have the tom martino troubleshooter show still ahead right here on krdo news radio